Well, hello. Welcome to Over and Under. I'm your host, Edward Henderson. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. If it's your first time, very special welcome to you. And uh, I invite you to check out some of my other podcasts that I've done. Today, we're going to look into the huge FBI raid on the home of Donald J. Trump. Yeah, his beautiful home in Palm Beach. You know it as Mar-a-Lago. It's actually three words, Spanish words, Mar-a-Lago, which means sea to lake. But yeah, I think the Democrats have jumped down a rabbit hole and they snatched the FBI and the Justice Department with them. And I think they're starting to wonder, was that a good idea? So let's jump in this one and see where we go today. You're at the Over Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Yes, I don't know where you were on Monday. I was at my home lounging out on my couch and just kind of vegging and, uh, Looking at the TV, I was not watching anything of a political nature, and I get a call from my dear mother, and she says to me, did you hear that the FBI has raided the home of the president? And she was referring to Donald Trump. My mother actually lives down there near him, of course, lot in Palm Beach, I can assure you that. But in close proximity, if she jumped in her car and started driving east, she could probably be there in about... I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes if there's no traffic on the road. And uh, area that I'm very familiar with, I've been to the house many times, absolutely gorgeous house, appropriately named Sea to Lake. Now, it's not exactly a lake in the back of the house, but it's the intercoastal waterway. And the view from the front or back is to kill for. It's absolutely gorgeous. But back to the topic. So she goes on to tell me that the FBI is raiding Trump's home. And, you know, I love my mom and based on it's just a natural inclination for me to assess the alertness of people around me that I'm talking to for 34 years. That's what I did uh, on different things that I would respond to. It was very important for me to establish very early on in my dealings with people. What is their, their level of alertness? And you can tell that by walking up to them, looking at their skin color. Is the conversation you're having coherent? Do they seem to know what they're talking about? And my mother typically knows what she's talking about, but she's elderly. She deals with a lot of things that elderly people do. She deals with certain medical conditions that can alter your mental status, diabetes being one of them. And so I'm thinking to myself, this sounds like insanity. And I'm I'm not even inclined to flip my channel on the TV at this time because I'm concerned about my mother. I just want to make sure that she's okay, which, like I said, it, it had nothing to do with the uh, Donald Trump thing. It's just something that I do when I'm talking to my mother. I'm listening to her voice. I'm listening to how well she's forming her words. And more importantly, is the conversation that we're having making any sense? And I'm like, oh, mama might be having a bout here. You know, we might need to get her sugar checked. And I might have to call some of my siblings to run over there and check on her. But, you know, as the conversation's going and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable that she's okay, that she's coherent, I'm like, well, maybe she is right. Maybe. So I start flipping the channels and I'll be daggone. The FBI is raiding Donald Trump's home. Now, I don't know why it took that to click in. Maybe it was because I was concerned about my mom. But, you know, 
on further review, it seems to be par for course, right? I mean, you're talking about Russian collusion, a incredible event that the FBI and the Democrats put us through. Just about the entire time Donald Trump was in office. Actually, it started before he took office. They were surveilling him. And uh, the more that I thought about it, when I thought about people like uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, uh, what was his name? Jim Comey. Jim Comey. You know, when I thought about the leadership of the FBI, and thank God none of those people are still there, but you got to understand there's a culture from which that leadership came from. So I would dare say that you still have your McCabe's, you still have your Pages, and you still have your Strzok's, and you still have your Comey's, or that culture within the FBI. So yeah, it, it does seem to make sense in this crazy world we live in, this Alice in Wonderland uh, reality that we're dealing with now. So I'm trying, I'm trying to make sense of all this because I'm thinking, you know, the, the Democrats and the FBI have got to be somewhat discouraged that they weren't able to sell the, the Russian collusion thing and all the things that they tried to pursue against this president. And I'm thinking, you know, he's he's not in office anymore. Why can't you just you let it be? Or or do you really have something? Did they find a dead body? Did they, uh, I don't know, find that uh, one of his businesses are actually a cover for organized crime? And I, I would be expressing these same thoughts with my son at a, at a later date last night to be more specific. And this is what he said to me. And he said, what makes you think they failed? And I said, well, Donald Trump wasn't removed from office. He's not ser serving prison time. And I don't think he's going to quit unless they assassinate him. He said, well, you're missing the point. They did succeed. Donald Trump is not the president. And, you know, I said that and it marinated for about a few milliseconds. And I was like, you know, I think he's right. I think he's right. Were they able to get to those people who consider themselves moderates? I call them fence setters. But were they able to sway enough of the public perception to give that election to President Biden and the Democrats? So when you put it in that kind of perspective, is this what this is all about? They are so incredibly scared of President Trump being reelected that there's nothing that they will not do. So and just a few random thoughts on what happened at Mar-a-Lago. Now, one thing that you've probably noticed is that the media does not want you to use the word raid. And I don't know how you can call it anything else. I mean, seriously, what would you call it if 30 FBI agents showed up armed, guns drawn, seized your house for nine and a half hours? The family wasn't given any notice, so that would tell you that this was a sudden seizure. Their lawyers were not allowed in the home. Now, that would have been a privilege to allow those lawyers in there. But you would think that the FBI, given their history with this president, would want some credibility and they would have probably welcomed those eyes. Not only did they not welcome those eyes, they tried to bully the staff to shut down the surveillance cameras. You can only imagine 
how many surveillance cameras are within Mar-a-Lago. It doesn't cover every square inch. But even before he was president of the United States, I'm sure it had a world-class, top-notch surveillance system. And to their credit, they were smart enough not to shut those cameras off. People, when people are violating your constitutional rights and they're trying to assert that they have rights over you, you know, make them show you the warrant. Make them show you the order from the judge that you have to take that specific action. And uh, matter of fact, I would go ahead in this day and time, go ahead and get your phone out and start filming those people. Start getting a record. And if they're going to take it, make them take it out of your hands. Make them secure it. You know, I'm not telling you die on the scene, but go on record. Let there be a record that that government entity or that power made you stop the surveillance. It could be very critical should this go to court and you're fortunate enough to get in front of a jury of your peers because they're not going to appreciate that either. They're going to want to know what was it that that agency or that that government entity, what is it they're trying to hide? Why would they not want a really good record? And why is it the only record that they want to present is that one that they present to you? So hats off to the staff for not shutting the surveillance cameras down. And you know, I'm not ignorant. I know this is under the jurisdiction of the FBI. But given the history between the FBI, how they handled the Russian collusion deal, there's only two things you can come away with. That this was a coordinated effort between the FBI and the Democrats to circumvent the authority of a president and and remove him from office. Or it's just incredibly gross incompetence that is just as bad to think that you could have an agency like the FBI, FBI that would make such incredible allegations and at times leaks to the media. You know, I've addressed this before. What it appears is that they willingly participated in this false information, leaked it out, people like Comey and McCabe, back out to the public, only so it could be recirculated where the media would come back to them, ask them, and they would confirm it. And now you've got this nice little insulated bubble And nobody has checked sources. They just continue to parrot and repeat it over and over until this very day. You can go ask people, why was Donald Trump impeached? And they'll tell you for collusion with Russia, which is an absolute lie. And again, people, I'm not acting like I know what happened at Mar-a-Lago. I still don't even know why they raided his house. Like I said, it looks like it's pointing to something to do with the handling of documents and classified information, which I would like to repoint your direction to Jim Comey when he handled the uh, investigation looking into Hillary Clinton, her 33,000 emails, and at times she was passing along classified information and briefing people who were not even part of the White House staff and did not have security clearances. But he has he has kind of set a precedent uh, as to how we go about prosecuting and pursuing people in the way that they handle classified documents. She was a secretary of state, and we're talking about a president who has the power to classify and declassify documents. He possibly may have violated the procedural 
But again, if the only thing that the Democrats are going to be able to hang their hat on at the end of the day is some technicality and some procedural uh, manners of things, the way they, they should have been pursued, they're going to be looking bad. They're going to have egg on their face. But then again, I would go back to what my son said to me. You think they really failed. Because if the object is to keep Donald Trump out of the office, to keep him to where he's not going to run, because, you know, people keep going back to uh, the whole voter fraud thing. And, you know, I hear this from friends and stuff. They say, well, Ed, you know, it's, it wasn't that widespread. We have voter fraud. It's been going on since the beginning of time. Well, today it doesn't really have to be widespread. You just have to swing one or two percent and you possibly have got the election for your candidate. So whether that is done through voting fraud or whether you can concoct these incredible stage events, these staged uh, congressional hearings enough to where you can convince one or two percent of the voters, you may have just secured your election. So this it could be what that's all about. And again, I cannot deny the, the possibility, the possibility that they actually have something of such a magnitude. And even if they don't listen to the political pundits on CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, watch them go to work to make it so horrible. Again, if it's, if it's in the Records Act, that law went into place after Nixon left, was had resigned. I was getting ready to say impeached. He would have been removed from office. But 78 is when it's went into effect. We're looking at Ronald Reagan, Bush, Bill Clinton, Obama, of course, Donald Trump. All those presidents left the office and took documents and things that they touched with their hands. I mean, if that act is written so broadly that it includes anything that a president ever touches by his hands, you know, Donald Trump might have a problem. But I would also tell you, I highly suspect that if I went into or had the privilege to, to go into a former president's home, I bet you I could look at all kinds of things displayed around his house that passed through that White House, through his hands, that would be technically something that should have been in the possession of the public. I took down a few notes after doing some Googling. What we're talking about here is the Presidential Records Act that was enacted in 1978. It encompasses anything of a constitutional, statutory, official, or ceremonial duties. And again, I would be shocked if you went into any of the still-living former presidents and you would find things that are being displayed within their house, things that they are probably planning on passing to their children that would not fit under constitutional, statutory, ceremonial duties even. And the problem is that we do not have a, well, we have no precedence of when a president left the office and they left with their boxes of things of the FBI raiding their home. I would say that if that was going to happen to Anybody, it would have happened to Nixon. I'm really, really surprised because if, if this is the threshold that 
causes the FBI to go raid a home. Just the history of Hillary and Bill Clinton. And Hillary has a documented history of destroying laptops, cell phones, servers, computers, you name it, any communication device. That would be a house that you would want to raid. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I want them to be raided. I'm just saying if this is indeed what they're pursuing on Donald Trump, you would think if that's the threshold, they would run over to the Clinton Foundation, they would run over to any of the Clinton homes, and they would seize that immediately if this is what causes the FBI. And there, there's, much, there's much reason to believe and speculate that this does have something to do with record handling. So, I mean, Trump's cleaning his stuff out back in January. He's taking stuff home like Every other president has done that uh, preceded him. What's different here, though, is that the National Archives and Records Administration wants to do some type of accounting or something, wants to know what he took home. Like I said, it's the first time that they've ever done this. So then they have to set up some kind of thing between Trump's lawyers and his representatives. But between the two of them, Donald Trump turns over 15 boxes to them. Now, keep, on, keep in mind what I just said. His lawyers and his representatives went over all these things that they sent to them. And again, if you're going to buy into that Donald Trump and his lawyers and his reps are so corrupted, do you think they're going to send anything to the National Archives that they think is going to be something that they're going to be able to pursue on them legally? I mean, this is not Trump's first rodeo dealing with... Uh, the FBI or Democrats in general. I mean, do you think he's going to go out of his way to create trouble for him? I mean, you can't have it both ways. He's either as corrupt as you say he is, or he is abiding within the law, or at least his lawyers believe he is. I understand uh, some of the things they found in there were some type of correspondence between him and Kim Jong-un, the congratulatory uh, letter that President Obama had left for him. But on top of that, evidently, they found stuff that they considered to be classified, top classified documents that, keep in mind, Donald Trump and his lawyers and his representatives, who I think Mark Meadows was one of them, went through and sent back to them. But evidently, this is enough to go back to uh, DOJ, Merrick Garland, and they opened up an investigation. So then FBI agents show up at Mar-a-Lago. And I don't think they have a subpoena or anything. They are welcomed in. I guess uh, the National Archives wants to make sure that they didn't miss something. They go through the house. The, the president is very accommodating. They want to know where he keeps his records at. He shows them a room. And the only thing that they ask of him is that they don't quite feel like it's secure enough. And would he uh, secure it? And I don't know if it was at their recommendation, but the president puts a padlock on it to secure it. So... When they raid the house, one of the first things they do is they bust that padlock. I mean, geez, I mean, they could have just asked for keys if the man was that cooperative. Uh, I'm sure he would have produced the keys or he would have had one of his staff. See, that's it. Donald Trump wasn't even there. He was in New York, which just makes you wonder why the big show, why the big raid? Why did they not think that they could walk in there just like they did the previous times and get what they were looking for? So what's next? I don't know, but I would say given the history of the FBI and Donald Trump, that I would be ready for just about anything, any type of allegation, any type of uh, evidence that just seems like it's irrefutable. You see, if I was head of the FBI 
and I was totally legit. And I knew I had something solid on Donald Trump. I would have had not only his lawyer, I would have had a team of his lawyers walk in there with me. We would go directly to that evidence. I would secure it. I would get them to sign off on it, to let them go over it, to see what I had taken. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I would have invited Fox and Tucker Carlson to be right there with their staff and their team and their cameramen, just so it could not be questioned. But again, if you go back to how they did this, one of the first things they did, they wanted to get the surveillance cameras uh, cut off to uh, Mar-a-Lago and they would not allow his lawyers access as they conducted this investigation. Again, that would have been a privilege. They don't have to do that. But I'm just saying, when you take into consideration that this is an unprecedented raid on a president's private home, when you take into consideration the history between the FBI and Donald Trump, that's the way I would have done it, people. Now, you might be thinking, Ed, that's you're being like, totally unfair. There are still some very good people within the FBI. I don't argue that. I'm sure there are. I will say this. They better start standing up and doing the right things regardless of what their leadership does because, again, the culture within the FBI gave rise to people like Jim Comey, Andy McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, incredible partisans that were committed to bringing down a sitting president. We have the correspondence between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, who, if you forgot for some reason, were involved in an extramarital affair. And interspersed between their little love texts between one another, you see this deep abiding hatred for Trump, and not only Trump, but his supporters. Here is a text from Peter Strzok to Lisa Page, and this is what he says in quotation, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, talking about Andy McCabe now, continuing with a quote, there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk, he wrote. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before 40. Now, there's been a lot of speculation. What is this insurance policy that he's talking about? And what did they talk about in Andrew McCabe's office? You can tell they don't think he's going to get elected. But what happens if they do? Well, they've got an insurance policy in place. A lot of speculation is that this is the Russian collusion. So are you trying to tell me that had Donald Trump never been elected, we would have never known anything about a Russian collusion? Because that seems like it's all predicated on the outcome of this election. We don't think that there's any way that Donald Trump can get elected. But if he does... We have an insurance policy in place. Now, Strzok and Page have a different explanation as to what that meant. You can get online and read it, but when you take it into context and you look at the hatred that they have for this president and his supporters, it's, it's not hard to believe what they ended up doing, what we saw unfold over about a three-year period, and they would not let it go. When they knew the information was false, they just kept pounding on. It actually took an investigation of the investigators to get to the bottom of this. Let me give you just a little bit of insight into the character of Andrew McCabe. Uh, back in 2018, his wife was trying to secure a Virginia state senator seat. They take money from Terry McAuliffe, who's a former governor of Virginia, but more importantly for the context of what we're talking about here, 
is his connections to the uh, Democratic Party. He was co-chairman on Bill Clinton's re-election committee, chairman on Hillary Clinton's election committee. It just didn't look good that he was taking this money because supposedly uh, he was involved with an investigation into the Clintons. I don't know if that resulted in anything. I'm sure it was complete exoneration and probably put them in a very good light. But he didn't like that it put him in a compromised position or that people might question that he had conflicting interests. So what he does is he has Lisa Page leak a story to the Wall Street Journal. And this isn't an attempt to make himself look good. Or so this is according to the Office of the Inspector General, who to me can do a better investigation than the FBI. That's sad. So he leaks information about an ongoing investigation, which is bad in itself. But then he lies about it and allows an investigation to go forward, looking for the person within his ranks that could have done this dastardly deed. So there's an investigator within the FBI, and I guess it keeps pointing to McCabe. And he finally sits down with McCabe, and McCabe has already categorically denied that he authorized the release of this information or leaked this information to the media. This subordinate says, I need to know from you, did you authorize this article? Were you aware of it? Did you authorize it? And I'm sure McCabe is looking in this uh, investigator's eyes and he's like, he knows, he knows. And the FBI investigator goes on, and this is in quotations. I mean, and I even said long nights and weekends working on this, trying to find out who amongst your ranks of trusted people would, would do something like that. And he kind of just looked down, kind of nodded, and said, yeah, I'm sorry. This is a man that's watching people within his ranks spending hundreds, if not thousands, of hours trying to get to the bottom of who could have possibly leaked this information to the media. Now, this has nothing to do with Russian collusion, what he did to Donald Trump, what he did to this country. These are people within his own ranks. If you've ever served in the capacity of law enforcement, firefighting, man, there's a special place that we hold for people like Andrew McCabe who will do this to their own. Now, there's some places that even people of questionable character, there's lines that they will not cross when it comes to their own. And Andrew McCabe did that to his very own. And I believe this is what resulted in him uh, eventually being fired. And now he works for CNN like everybody else that is fired and disgraced from their positions. And everybody will say, well, how about those people who leave and go to work with Fox? Those people usually uh, work out the end of their contract, their end of their assignment, and uh, go on to take that job. They don't leave in disgrace and not there because they got fired or imprisoned. But that's I'm getting off point here. If the FBI is ever going to ever hold a position of trust with the American people, those people within that organization are going to have to come forward. And there's going to have to be a deep cleaning, I believe, of the FBI. I mean, it's just really hard to forget some of the things that they have been involved with. And how many times can you say, oops, my bad, we should have looked a little bit more? Or how about that supposed kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan? I never really look into that too deeply, but it's amazing how the uh, FBI really set that all up. I mean, it completely fell apart. They haven't quite gave up 
on it, not like the Russian collusion. I think even the FBI has tapped out on the Russian collusion. It's just the Democrats keep pushing it. But this kidnapping thing, this this kidnapping that they supposedly foiled and got in front of and kept from happening appears like they orchestrated it instead of uh, keeping it from happening. So I don't know how much you remember this. Supposedly there was like these white supremacist, nationalists, Trump people, the deplorables, were going to uh, kidnap the governor because they weren't happy about the lockdowns concerning COVID. and They thought that they could lock her up or something. Maybe Biden wouldn't get elected. But incredibly, there were more people from the FBI, informants, that were part of this group than actual participators in it, or, or very close. I think if you look at the numbers, there's about half and half. I think we're looking at about 12 to 14 FBI informants that were infiltrated into this supposed group. And a total of 26, I think, when uh, it went to court, there were only six. Hold I can I can look a little bit more and get you some more accurate information on that. It looks like you had 12 FBI informants. And out of that, you had six that were indicted. There were six that they looked at and thought, hey, they had enough involvement that we can pursue them. Well, two took a plea deal. That took them right off the plate, and they probably were scared. I, look, I, I brought up pictures of the two young men. They look, they look very weak and frail and very young. They would not have done very well in prison. I'm sure part of their plea deal was a, a reduced sentence, and probably more important, they probably went to a federal prison. If they didn't, ooh, that was some bad lawyering, because if they had to just hung with it a little bit, two of them were actually acquitted. They took two to court, and a jury found them not guilty. Now, they haven't given up. They want to go back and do a retry, see if they can't get these two convicted. But I think as long as they can get a jury of their peers, and you know, prosecution and the defense get a say on who gets to sit on that jury. As long as they can get just a couple of common people, there's nobody ever going to convict these guys because it appears that the FBI completely set it up. Think about what I just told you. 12 FBI informants, and when it all got shook out, what you got is two acquittals, two plead out, two found not guilty. All you got left is FBI informants. If those prosecutors are not successful the second time around in getting convictions on these two gentlemen, the only thing they're going to have to show are those two poor young fellas that way too quickly copped a plea deal. So that means you've got 12 participating FBI informants. On top of that, the article that I read tried to tell that jury that although half of that group was made up of FBI informants, that none of them knew that the other one was an informant. And one that was incredibly interesting was uh, this guy's name, Steve Robeson. Steve Robeson uh, was wanted by the defense to testify, and it came back. I don't know if it was directly from him and his lawyers, but it got back to the defense. You don't want him to testify because it would not help your defendants very much. And they said, yes, we would very much like to have Steve on the stand to testify because turns, or at least it's their belief that he was a main recruiter and the main planner of this, of this thing. It seems like the people that they were going after were like, 
these stoners or so that's the picture i got in my mind the way that they're portrayed they smoke a lot of dope and they talk a lot of big stuff but steve this guy that works for the fbi he was the one that was actually recruiting he was uh, like their training officer and stuff he would set up field practices and as the group would uh get dismayed with the plan or want to keep putting it off or just abandoning it all together seems like he was a big cheerleader to keep it going on so they said that uh well he's not going to testify he's just going to to plead the fifth he may incriminate himself and we've got reasons to believe that he went rogue now i'm gonna be honest with you i can't tell when the fbi is telling the truth and when they're lying i have no idea but with that being said it just it just defies anything of any logic and i didn't i didn't share this with you steve's been working with the fbi for over 20 years so why do they want him to plead the fifth if it's going to be supportive of their prosecution i think there's there's a good reason why the defense would have loved to have gotten him on the stand he, he they probably could have got a straight out acquittal for both their guys if what they're saying or what they're assuming is true and can be proved i'm thinking the two guys get acquitted and what you got left is a bunch of fbi informants that looked like they were planning on kidnapping the kidnapping the governor so that's what you're dealing with people this is what you're giving credibility to like i said i don't know what organization you could have got to uh Go to Trump's mansion if you really think you got something. I don't think you should have sent the FBI. Can, can U.S. Marshals do stuff like that? I don't know. Okay, well, those are just some of my thoughts on the raid at Mar-a-Lago. And that's what they are. They're simply opinions, a lot of speculation. What I shared about the FBI and the Russian collusion, hmm, why don't you read about it? Why don't you look into it and see if you can come up with any other conclusion? I mean, I can't. Like I said, I mean, it just, it hurts my brain. I just know that uh, they have a very checkered history, and especially during the Trump years. So regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump, you better hope you don't ever find yourself outside of the party. I, I think I'm going to start referring to the Democratic Party as the party. Uh, much like they do in the book 1984, The Party. If you ever find yourself outside of The Party, you will not appreciate this incredible, raw, unchecked, oppressive, authoritarian power being brought against you and your family. So if you see it being wielded, you should not discount the possibility of it being used against you and yours. I would highly recommend that you uh, look a little bit more deeper into this and you might not get past how you, how you feel about Trump and his family, but you might see the wrongness in the way that they're being pursued. And that's fair. That's all I'll ask in that. So that's a good place to stop, I think. I hope that uh, I've given you good reason to at least think there's very good reasons for some very healthy skepticism as to what is possibly going on here. I'm going to uh, do as I always do, wish you the very best till we can get together again on Over and Under. I'm Ed Henderson, out like a scout. God bless you. Bye.